I've spent so much time with the sales team and, and understanding what those inefficiencies are that I'm now in a position where I can start to tighten the screws and really, you know, start to make these changes and see them internally with all of these souls, which is honestly the best reward that anybody could ask for. Welcome to the Ops Stars podcast, where we talk to revenue operations pros at the top of their game so that we can collectively support each other through the sharing of ideas, learning best practices, and discovering innovative new strategies. I'm your host, Don Opfos. Hey, thank you for joining the Opstars podcast. I'm here today with Nick Lansbury. Nick leads go-to-market operations for Expedient. I am your host, Don Opfos. I am the VP of Alliances and Partnerships at Lean Data. I got my start in RevOps, so glad to have you, Nick. Thank you so much for having me. I've been uh, looking forward to this since you guys reached out, so I'm excited. Awesome. Well, hey, you know, one of the things uh, I wanted to to kind of kick it off with is, you know, I know a lot of folks that get into uh, revenue operations. You know, I, I don't really think anybody, at least until lately, you know, went into everything going, I want to get a job in RevOps. It's typically something where they they start in some other field or some other department and then over time, as things evolve, you know, they, they move into revenue operations, they find that they love it, and then that turns into their career. So I wanted to go back in time with you and, and talk about like, you know, what was kind of your first role and, and what were you doing? Um, and then how did that kind of morph into, into revenue operations? Oh, for sure. Who my, <laughs> this is always fun to talk about because my, so my journey Absolute chaos, just start to front, top to bottom, like absolute chaos. So I got into, I like to think that I got into the technology space when I was, I don't know, at like 18, 18, 19. So I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Pennsylvania. And the closest thing that I had that was like tech related was like a Best Buy, right? So they had a geek squad. I knew a couple people that worked there and I reached out, ended up being a part of the geek squad and got into... I got it. Like I was the head of the geek squad for a little bit. They called me a deputy of counterintelligence because they love the secret agent (laughs) names. Right. So I did that and, and I loved it. I loved the technology part. I loved rolling up my sleeves, working on the computers, doing the tech thing. And I was like, you know what? This is, this is what I like to do. I like to tinker and fix stuff and, and be like everybody's computer guy. Well, the part I hated about that job was specifically the customer service. Like it's just, man, getting retail specifically getting yelled at by customers every day. I think it adds a ton of years to your life. So like I was wise beyond my, my years by the time I was done there and I was looking for an out, ended up working at Apple for a little bit at a call center. You want to talk about a soul sucking job? Oh yeah. You want to talk about soul sucking job call center? Like if you can do it great. I, unfortunately it was not for me, like just sitting like at my computer for 12 hours a day, answering phone calls, getting yelled at over the internet. Just no, couldn't do it. So got out of there real quick and uh, ended up as a, I was actually a system admin at the school for a little bit. At no point in time during any of this was I was like, yeah, I want to get into sales and revenue operations. Like, like, I didn't even know what that was, right? So I jumped around like six different places. um, And finally, I, I got on LinkedIn and I was on, I think it was Indeed. And I saw an like Expedient was hiring somebody in the, uh, we call it our operation support center. So it's like a knock and like the traditional tech sense, but we do more than just network, right? So I was like, that sounds like it's my speed. Got it. It wasn't, it wasn't my speed. Oh, well, uh, talk a little bit about what Expedient does. Oh, I guess I should start there, right? <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm branded, I guess. 
So Expedient, we are a uh, cloud service provider, uh, yeah. cloud services and managed services, right? So, you know, you have your AWSs of the world, you have your Azures of the world. But what we've found and, and why we play in this space is because, you know, you, it's really difficult to, to migrate legacy applications from like on-prem, like in your data center that you have running on your physical hardware. It's really, really difficult to just like full-on port those into like an AWS or an Azure. So one of the things we identified as a company is it's just like, hey, we're people are always going to need that on-prem feel. But what if we could make it more of a managed service? Like, what if you didn't have to worry about the what if you didn't have to worry about the hardware? What if you didn't have to worry about things like Windows updates, Linux updates? What if we handled all that for you so that your team can just focus on doing what they do best, de developing applications and like, you know, doing the other crazy stuff that they do, reporting metrics, like, you know, whatever those organizations do. So, you know, that's the the entirety of our space. A little, um, more, a little more turnkey. Yeah, yeah, that's a good term. Uh, I'm not a, I'm not up with all the fun marketing stuff yet. <laughs> um, I'm getting there though. So, the expedient at expedient, not the expedient at expedient, we're broken into like two chunks, right? There's the there's the sales side of the business and then there's like the operations side of the business, like operations and support. So, I started my journey at expedient in that operation side, right? So I came in, I was uh, what we called like a tier one analyst. So my whole job was to just all of the tickets that are generated from these automated systems. I was looking at those. So like if we saw any errors on somebody's machine or like their firewalls. So like I was doing a bunch of different stuff, which is cool because like I'm, you know, I, I like to, you know, muck around in the mud and and learn how to do things. But, you know, something just wasn't clicking for me. I just I was not having a good time trying to figure out how to troubleshoot firewalls networking blows my mind like i can't wrap my head around all the numbers and stuff i just can't do it <laughs> but i mean uh, that role that role itself was a good extension of your experience of of being geek squad though 100 percent, and that's yeah. you know coming from the, the i was a system admin at a school directly before that so a lot of the stuff that i was doing like working in vmware spinning up vms troubleshooting, you know, weird, you know, teacher desktops um, translated really well to coming into and, and, and handling that as a managed service. But it's just like, it wasn't my thing. I, I don't know if you've picked up on this. I'm a little bit more of a personable person. Um, <laughs> so the idea of like sitting behind a keyboard and not seeing the light of day for a couple of hours, because like <laughs> Knox don't have any windows. So, you know, I, I felt like I was underground. I felt like I was in a dungeon. And some people thrive in that space. I'm not one of them. But I remember this day like it was yesterday. One of our solutions architects, our, our head of solution architecture at the time was actually giving a, a data center tour. And he came through and I'm going to be honest, like I was just really bored at work <laughs> and comes through with a group of clients. And I saw an opportunity. I was like, hey, you know, because we're giving a tour to make sure everybody understands what that environment's like. And I spoke up. I was like, hey, like, you know, hey, I'm Nick. I'm actually one of the analysts here. So like if you pick up the phone, call the phone, call in, you have a ticket, you open something like I'm here on site 24 hours a day. I'm here to help you do what you need. If you need me to go restart your server, I will do that. Um, so I jumped in and kind of like hyped everything up. I'm pretty sure we won that deal. But after they had left and finished the tour, I got I got a phone call and they were like, hey, do you want to come up and, and <laughs> talk to us about, you know, some other potential opportunities? And I was really excited because, and I've actually communicated this internally, I was actively looking for other jobs at the time just because I wasn't happy with, yeah. with where my career had got me. I needed a, like a polar change and I was worried I wasn't going to be able to get that where I was at. But to Expedience credit, they 100% identified that. That's my favorite thing about working here is, you know, if you put yourself out there and say like, hey, I, I'm not happy with this, I want to do something else. They love to work with you internally and kind of 
flip you over and, sure. and get you in a role that you love because, you know, they're just great. So we had that conversation. And within, I think it was less than a month after that, um, they'd actually brought me over. I was I was leaving what I called the dungeon and they were elevating me to our sixth floor office. Right. It felt it felt like something right out of a movie. And I started a quick stint as a, what we called an inside solutions architect, right? So that's like a sales engineer at most other uh, organizations. Right. So my responsibility, a little less client facing, like I still had to go on site and, and, you know, really understand our products and be able to say, like, here's how they solve your, your everyday problems. But my, my role at that time was a lot more internal focus. So the, the actual ar architects would go out and get that information. And I would sift through spreadsheets and workbooks and make sure, like do the appropriate sizing and stuff and make sure that we were giving the client the right thing. And like, that was great. But then I saw another opportunity that I was a big fan of. So I personally, I hate inefficiency. I just can't stand it. It like when I see somebody doing something in the most inefficient way possible, I'm like, hey, we have to fix this because we could be doing 15 other things and you're slowing everything down. Right. Um, it doesn't even have to be your job either, right? Like no, it's it's not my job. Like it's in every day, it's out in public, it's here at the house. Um <laughs> people either love me or hate me for it, but I've just accepted it. But I very specifically we started engaging with Salesforce more and more, which is a term that I had never heard before like and like, and had, i know that so had you used salesforce and you've been in nope, it like nope yeah. not wow. even a little bit okay. yeah so i managed to make it the whole way up there i was focused on our internal tools and stuff and we were putting together a partner program we were really wow. kind of pack we had something kind of like informal but they wanted to take it and standardize it and and put a nice wrapper around it build like a portal and all sorts of crazy stuff make sure that we had a lead registration system and do this that and the other because there wasn't anything in place at the time and i was tapped on the shoulder just because i like to break stuff see how it works and then put it back together again so i started getting you know i i actually reached out to salesforce did some training with them i went through like an accelerator program went through a bunch of trailheads yeah lots and of good free learning oh my god salesforce free learning is top notch like 10 out of 10. yeah went through all of that and like self-taught myself salesforce from start to finish and by the end of it, we had a working partner portal that's still in use today. I mean, I mean, I cobbled that together on like a wish and a prayer and just, you know, figured that out, got involved with the partner team and ended up being kind of like before we knew that operations was a thing that was kind of like a partner operations role. So, you know, our we, we have what we call PAEs. They were out in the market, very specifically cultivating these relationships. And I was the data guy. I was the data and metrics guy on the back end, understanding lead registration, the routes, the flows, yep. understanding how Salesforce needed to interact with these things from an attribution and a commission standpoint, which like this was a whole new world for me. So like I'm staying up late, I'm reading articles, I'm trying to figure out how this stuff works. I'm calling other people i'm on reddit i'm in salesforce forums like i'm <laughs> you know just going all out and that's honestly i think that's what started like that pivot point was huge for me because that's what really took me out of the i'm gonna be really technical i'm gonna be the guy that understands products from start to finish i'm gonna be able to speak about all this technology to hey you know what there's a lot of technology out here we're gonna focus on sales technology yeah we're gonna focus on the sales and marketing tech stack and how we can get all these systems to start to play well together so from there you know, the partner team evolved and grew 
And as a part of that, I ended up kind of moving out of that and moving more into like a proper revenue operations role, right? So we have an internal revenue operations team. I think at the time we called it business applications because it was for more than just, you know, sales and marketing. So, you know, went on, got my Salesforce administrator certification and started learning about all of the other tools that we had in our stack and how we can make them more efficient. So Lean Data being one of those tools, things like Zoom Info, Six Sense, we really do have like a world-class tech stack internally. The problem was we didn't, at the time, we had them and they were kind of working, but we, I would say that we were only getting like 20% out of each one of those platforms. So yeah. that's something I identified as an opportunity with, you know, the rest of my team. And I was like, we can roll our, we can really roll our sleeves up and get in here and make sure get the most out of all of these things. So that's been an ongoing project. I mean, that never stops. It's yeah. it's constant yeah. innovation. So um, my role since then has changed like titles a little bit, but um, you know, I went from that business applications, like specialist, I'm a go-to-market operations manager now. So it's, Sounds a little bit nicer, um, but it's still a lot of uh, just looking at all this stuff that we have going on and how can we maximize efficiency. The beautiful part about it now is it it really has grown to a point where it's not just it's most like it's predominantly sales and marketing. But like I even reach beyond that into I've been doing a lot of stuff with our product team because all of this stuff as everything continues to evolve, this stuff is just getting closer and closer together. And that just provides a better experience for clients as a whole. And ultimately, in the end of the day, like that's the goal. How can we, and my clients are twofold, right? It's internally our sales users and the team members that are using it, but externally, how do we provide a great external client experience? Yeah, I mean, that's the one thing I usually talk about pretty extensively is how I feel that you know the revenue operations function, really, we end up, owning that customer journey, right? Because all you know, all of these different departments that that revenue operations ends up touching, sales, marketing, finance, customer success, SDRs, partners, they're they're siloed in a lot of ways. But the customer journey between those handoffs and, and the people that they deal with, you know, if you don't have somebody like revenue operations that's owning that experience to make sure that those handoffs are crisp that they're contextual when somebody inherits that, you know, next task and it gets handed off to another team, you know, they, they need to know everything that's going on. They need to, you know, have that background to make sure that that journey for that customer is something that's amazing, right? Because ideally, you know, somebody raves about buying from you, not just because you have an amazing product or service, but also because the experience of buying from you was, you know, top notch. No, 100%. And, you know, one of the things that I think every day is invaluable to my role, if I would have just decided at some young age, like, hey, I want to go into revenue operations, which again, wasn't a thing when I was 18. If I would have decided that, I would have come in, I would have had no experience. I wouldn't have any idea what the buyer's journey is like. I wouldn't have any idea what the seller's journey is like. I would have no knowledge of all of these individual systems, how the end users interact with them. So, you know, the beauty of of my journey is chaotic and and gross and and forward and backward and tossed around as it is. It's great because there's, there's something from every one of those roles that I use 
every day yep. in my current role, right? Because I understand things like, you know, how we interact with partners and what the expectation is from a, a lead routing standpoint, from a from an attribution standpoint, how what how they want to see their reports and stuff. I was in that space. I lived it. I was an SA. So I understand what the essays and and the engineering team and like when they start to quote, like what kinds of things they look for and how that sizing works. And then I also spend time with the sales team. So I understand their expectations as far as a tool needs to be able to do this, this, and this. And these are what I consider my time sinks. So throughout that, I mean, I've been here at Expedient for, I think we're going into, I can't remember if it's my sixth or my seventh year. Seven, I'm losing seven track. years, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's seven, but time's fake post-pandemic. It's not real. So I think it's seven though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think one of the projects we talked about that you worked on was decreasing that that inbound response time for those inbound leads that you were getting. You had seen, you know, one of the things I think you you told me you identified was that it was taking days to get, you know, responses back from the right person at Expedient to follow up on leads. And you worked to compress that down to minutes. Oh, absolutely. So we that's actually how I got introduced to to Lean Data, right? We we had looked at a, a couple other competitors in the market and ultimately landed on Lean Data because one, because of, of the handoff experience with you guys, which was yeah. awesome. The fact that I still have the same CSN makes me super happy because he <laughs> understands our business top to bottom. But I like most importantly to me, one you're one hundred percent correct. We we were struggling because we were trying to do everything in-house as a part of Salesforce. And anybody who's touched Salesforce as far as their lead routing goes, it's very limited, right? It's very cut and dry if you're a smaller organization. But a lot of our our logic for routing leads and and getting that data kind of like pre-cleaned, pre-screened into the into the right hands super difficult to do like out of the box Salesforce. We tried it for like a year and a half. It did not go well and things were getting lost in the shuffle. So we knew that we needed to do something better. And I think a big part of it too was we, uh, we've we seen this transition over the course of the last couple of years where we're a lot of organizations are moving away from the lead-based marketing model, right? We account-based marketing is is the new hotness, and rightfully so, right? Because as all of these businesses adapt, we had talked about it a little bit earlier. You know, subscription models, like the way people are consuming services, is changing. The way yep. people are buying things, and the way you have to deal with that, you can't just look at an organization and say, "Oh, I know one guy inside of this account, and that guy is going to carry us to the moon." Yeah. It's like, no, who are you engaging with? It's got to be yeah. six or seven people. You're coming top down. You're coming bottom up. You have partners that are involved. So one of the things we've been talking about internally is we call that our account encirclement, right? Because what we have to do, it's not gone are the days where you can just pick up the phone and be like, hey, Ralph, like, do you want to buy some cloud? You really <laughs> have to sell the value. And people really need to understand like, oh, I'm engaged with this partner. I'm in, you know, they're my trusted advisor. I want to see what they say. And the CEO has his own opinions. But like, also, we really value the opinion of the people that are building things. So when you find break through and you get everybody on the same page or you get everybody at a campaign, a specific event, that's how you drive things home. These, these, It's great that these conversations aren't being had unilaterally anymore and that these decisions aren't just being made by one person, but it does change the way that we as sellers have to engage those accounts. No, absolutely. You know, I taught the, the one of the things that uh, I did at Lean Data when I first started was you know really figure out okay well what is our ideal customer profile and then once we know that who are the personas that we want to pursue 
And how do we make sure we're giving them the the, the right messaging? You know, because because for each persona, the message is different. And then once we do have those opportunities, how do you make sure that your sellers are involving more than one person? Because it's you know, it doesn't matter how small the company is that you're working with. There's always you know more than one person involved. And and looking and measuring what that engagement looks like ended up being something that was really key for me to want to hone in on 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 making sure that you know noticing that deals that were closed one almost always had a very full set of different personas that were involved throughout the sales cycle. And well, so and mapping that all out and knowing how that works, it's you know you're still selling even after you have an open opportunity because you want to bring those other people. Under, into the fold as you're trying to move something through the pipe to a close one stage. Well, and I mean, our space is particularly interesting, right? Because it is it is cloud services, right? So having those as managed services, it creates a lot of fear in a lot of individuals, right? So, you know, you have these old school, like co-location guys who are used to dealing with the updates. Like that's been their, their yeah. day job for a really long time. They're used to <laughs> dealing with that. So some of the things that we've seen is people, people get scared because they feel yeah. like you're changing their livelihood. So it's important to us when we're engaging at that level, especially at the account level, that those people understand we're not like that's not what we're here for as an organization. Um, we're really here to remove a lot of those roadblocks so that they can focus on what's super important, like not just updating Windows, but making sure that your applications are running at full capacity, full efficiency, and you're able to iterate, and make improvements on a faster basis. So like freeing up additional cycles to do what's truly important, right? So understanding those those things like the customer profiles and and those blockers along the way have allowed us to accelerate a lot of that lean data acting as a quarterback for us because it was super super difficult before that i know that i've i've talked with you guys before about kind of what that speed to lead looked like for us and with that complex process but really like with a lot of the fuzzy matching and a lot of the updates that you guys have made even in the last year um allowing us to you know look at those customer pro profiles look at those individual contacts and associate them to the right opportunities we're able to take things that were really kind of like Ter I don't want to say terrible, boring day-to-day -day tasks, like associating specific contacts to opportunities. You right. know, you're a sales rep, you have a busy day, you right. know, you forget to add six people so that came to this it's event. It's the last thing on their list that they're, they're going to do. You know? Correct. It's the whole reason sales operations exist to begin with. So like, what if I can take that sales operations role, find out all those repetitive things and use an orchestrator like Lean Data to get those things where they need to be so that yeah. my reporting, my metrics are better so that I know how we can engage in the market most effectively. Yeah, absolutely. Can you walk us through like what are some of the challenges that you're you're seeing today and and what are you doing to going about uh solving them? Challenges today, there's a lot every day is a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so, some of the things that we've been dealing with very specifically so one of the last big things that we fixed was um, you know, we've all had CRMs that have been around for God knows how long, a million years. So, you know, sometimes there's bad data, you know, oh, yeah. old contacts, old, old accounts. So I was an interim Salesforce admin here at the company for a while as well. That was a hat that I switched on and off for a little bit. But data cleanliness was a big thing. So what we were seeing were a, a lot of duplication, whether it be on the lead side, the account side, um, also the contact side. So being able to leverage a, a couple of different tools, uh, lean data being one of them, Cloud Dingo being another, as well as just like like the enrichment softwares, like a Sixth Sense or a um, like a Zoom Info to make sure that we have the most up-to-date data kind of deduping from there and 
because that causes routing issues to begin with, right? So like lead comes in, you've got six accounts with the same name, but they're technically not just, you know, salespeople start, you know, getting on your case. That's like a typical Monday for me. So just understanding that data cleanliness was, was a big issue that we see in the space, but that's pretty easily addressed. It just requires some, some TLC and, and real tedious work. Where I'm seeing everything going and the, and the big hurdle that we're trying to get over now, and everybody kind of throws it out as a buzzword, there are two, automation and artificial intelligence. Some people yeah. use them interchangeably, not the case. Um, but from an automation standpoint, we've, I, a lot of companies like, we have to automate things. <laughs> what do you want to automate, man? Like, what, do you, what are we going to automate? Well, you know, it's got to be faster. We got to automate it. Okay, tell me how we'll automate it. So it's really taking a step back and understanding those tedious processes where we have all of the requisite information and just smoothing it out, man. There's no, there's absolutely no reason that a sales rep has to do some of these things. Like I know that a client came to this event. I know that that client was active in the last 10 days when this opportunity was created. I know that I can tie that person to this opportunity and see that attribution and calculate the ROI. We can make it so that a sales rep doesn't have to go in and say, Ralph, you know, was a part of this opportunity. Just, I don't want to say dumb stuff like that, but it's the stuff that we often overlook, the stuff that like non-sales users, and this is the way I used to think about it because I know that I'm guilty. I used to hear about this like tangentially from the sales team, like, oh man, like I have to go in. Oh, let me tell you about my day. I have to go in and I, you're telling me that I have to add these people to all of these opportunities. I have to add all these contact roles. I'm on sales calls, man. Like I'm, I'm getting us deals. So we can't No, And I, I used to be one of those guys that was like, this is crazy. Like you can't take two seconds out of your day to do this. All right. <laughs> and then, and then I ate my words because I sat down with a couple of these guys and I watched what they did in a given day and the, like the amount of clicks that they have to go through to get something, the amount of different platforms. Cause that was another thing we heard. We have too many platforms. I don't know where to get the data. I was like, what? Like, what do yeah. you mean? So, you know, a little bit of training, a little bit of automation smooths a lot of this stuff out so that, hey, you know, we're synthesizing this stuff down to effectively, we're giving you a dossier, right? You don't have to do anything, Mr. Sales Guy. I've done something where it's like, I see the information from Sixth Sense. They've gone six QA. They're a hot to trot lead. They've been all over the website. They're engaging with all the, all yeah. the stuff. It came in. Here's the market it needs to go to. Here's the person that it needs to go to. Here's an email. Oh, by the way, we've already generated partially an email so that you can read it and just send it and make sure that you close the deal. Boom, done. So it's just like understanding that, you know, from an outsider's perspective to somebody who's not on a revenue operation side, thinking that those like, oh, it takes you two seconds to do that. You can't just do it. Well, that two seconds, when you multiply it by the 500 accounts that they have or the amount of contacts they deal with, that really does become a time consuming thing. It does. Yeah. My, my whole thing has always been, I, from a revenue operations perspective, I want to automate as much as I can because, you know, having come from a sales role myself, I know that pain, right? But now that I'm in RevOps, I also know the value of having that information. So it's, it's balancing those two things, right? It's like, a really delicate, and I'm so glad that you brought that up because that's something that I wanted to bring up. It's such a delicate balance because when you automate those things, you're making assumptions, right? Yep. The, the reality to. of the situation, the reality of the space that we're in, especially with technology, is it's never going to be 80 or 80%. It's never going to be 100% perfect, Yeah, it's never right? going to be perfect. 
there's no like listen if there's a company out there that ensures that they have 100% data accuracy all the time <laughs> like that's a monopoly like they should just, they would take all of my money but we have some really great uh really great tools in the space like zoom info like linkedin sales navigator where that information you know on a really good day is 70 to 80% accurate right so right. the trick i found is to make it's sure good that enough. The, that's what i like it's, to say it's good enough right yeah. and and not going to be perfect it's good enough the key to success that we found is one kind of prefacing uh, like all of the sales team. Hey guys, we're getting it as close as we can, but we do still like this sales is an art just as much as it is a science, right? Yes. So we can do the science part of it. I can calculate your ideal customer profile and give you a sales velocity and an engagement score. And I can <laughs> do all those crazy numbers. But at the end of the day, selling is still based on relationships, right? Yep. And it's somebody critically looking at this, this information that I'm providing in a dossier and saying, hey, I see how all of this fits together. Here's how I'm going to craft this message. So no matter how good tools like ChatGPT get or how integrated they get, they'll get, you know, 60 to 70% of the way there. But you still want somebody to sit behind the steering wheel. Just like the way I think Uber handled like self-driving, right? They still have somebody behind the wheel to kind of interject when things go wrong. But you can you can kind of get there. You can mostly, I think they call it level three automation, level three autonomous driving. So we can get to that level three autonomous salesperson. But like you still need those reps to build those relationships and spot check because a computer is just a computer. Exactly. Yeah, there you you can bring a, a lot of of science to the art of selling, but there's still an art to selling, and that's where you still have to have the talent of good account executives that know how to take the things that revenue operations does and provides to them and leverage it into those close one deals. Well, and I think the other important part too, especially from a RevOps perspective, is the feedback loop, right? So it's really, really easy to not have that relationship with your sellers and not be asking like what's working, what's not working and not soliciting that feedback about like, you know, the data is bad, right? So one of the things that we saw very early on is when we started implementing these things, it was, well, the data is bad. It's no good. You sent me six leads and they're gross. Okay. Why? <laughs> Tell me why. Well, because a lot of people don't think to ask those follow-up questions. Some people just get frustrated. Some people shut down. Some people don't want to have that conversation. But it's like, okay, hey, man, totally understand where you're coming from. You think this is a, a garbage lead or there's nothing here. Let's talk about it. Why isn't there anything here? What do you see? Help me because... As the RevOps team, our job is to fine tune those solutions, fine tune those tools. So yep. that feedback and you telling me that lets me go back and look at the numbers and understand how things are working and see if there are ways that I can, you know, dial that in, increase contact accuracy, increase account accuracy, make sure that we have the right location, all sorts of crazy stuff. But like that's invaluable. So, you know, for any any RevOps people out there, if you're not getting that feedback loop, make sure you're doing it because it's the only way you're going to get an accurate picture of what's actually happening on the front lines. No, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I, on that on that point, you know, uh, what I wanted to wrap it up with, I and mean, we're getting kind of close to the end here. What advice would you give to someone who is just about to start their their first RevOps role? Ooh, well, my first thought would probably be surprise because I'm sure you didn't know it was coming because <laughs> I feel like 
RevOps is just something that you end up in as a combination of your skills, right? So I'm convinced that the only reason I'm in, in revenue operations is because I hate inefficiency uh, and I love poking holes in things. And that is exactly what revenue operations is, right? So my first bit of advice is be curious, right? So learn as much as you can about every facet of the business that you're in and the industry that you're in, because all of those things will come into play. That's, it's not an exaggeration. It's not a joke. If you don't think it's going to show up tomorrow, I promise you it will come up a year from now. I find myself on conversations with the accounting team, with the product team, with our delivery team, like every facet of the business, because the data starts with sales, but ultimately flows the whole way through into every other part of the business. So the more accurate you get that data up front and the, the better that handoff experience is, not even just externally, but internally, it makes everybody's life easier. And that means that there's, uh, there's more trust in the data behind the scenes. So when you're giving reports, when you're giving metrics, people aren't, you know, hey, this is wrong. Hey, this doesn't look right. Hey, this is the wrong number. You've smoothed all that over. So be curious, make sure that you just learn and critically think about everything. Um, so that's number one. Number two, poke holes in things and ask questions. Because I think where a lot of organizations see issues is they're afraid to really kind of internally, I call it falling down the rabbit hole. It's a term we throw around, joke about it a lot. Very Alice in Wonderlandy. But a lot of issues, we just look at the surface level, but you really need to dig a little bit deeper and understand like, why is the data coming into the system bad? Is it a UI thing? Is it, you know, we're not asking for it? There's no call to action. Why are reps having an issue with this? Is it again, a UI thing? Do they just not know it's there? Is it a training thing? So when you approach things and you poke holes in it, you you come in with that critical mindset, uh, kind of approach it like you're five years old. Why is this happening? Okay, but why is it like that? Some people are going to get super frustrated and it <laughs> you're going to have to learn to deal with that conflict. But what you're doing is you're helping them understand that we're looking at the roots of an issue, not just like, hey, we're putting a Band-Aid on it by changing this account name. Well, how did this account name get screwed up in the first place? Like, like I've seen this four or five times. Why is this happening? So always peel back the layers of the onion and really make sure you get to the source. I think asking why forces them to articulate you know, what is happening in a way that helps you come to a conclusion on what a solution would be. Every single time the I've and the, my team has been, you know, they're trained up to always start with why and work backwards, Um, either a why it, it depends, right? That's from a support standpoint. So there's the, you know, why are you saying this? Why is this happening? But there's also the what are you trying to accomplish, right? Especially in revenue ops, you get a lot of people. I need a report to look at this. I need this or people will come and say, I need to see this, this and this. So we've kind of reached a point where we're saying, okay, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you want to see? Because I know you think you know the data. <laughs> I know the data better than you. Exactly. So let me let me give you what you want, but I might be able to do it in a more efficient way and provide better insights than what you think you might know. So that's uh, that's a really delicate dance as well. So you you have to be aware of of that space. And then the last thing, and this one's fun, break stuff. Uh, don't break it in production. Don't do that. Um, <laughs> you will get fired more than likely. Uh, so uh, don't break it in production. But one of the things that I think has been crucial, uh, absolutely integral in my success internally has just been that combination of that curiosity and breaking things, right? Yeah. Like when somebody was like, can you go do this in Salesforce? My answer was, I don't know, but I'll try. 
right? So let me go into Salesforce Sandbox. Let me toggle on all the settings. Let me break stuff. I went into Lean Data. I broke a bunch of stuff in Lean Data. <laughs> I went into Zoom Info. I broke a bunch of stuff in Zoom Info. But when you break it, you know how to fix it. And yeah. that way, when it breaks in the future, you know how to get it back to like, you know, just a workable state. And in doing so, you understand things like the schema, you understand the, yeah. the data, you understand how everything lives, how everything interacts. So if you're just looking at it, not interacting with it, it's a much different experience. So you really don't be afraid to reach out to the reps for those tools. Don't be afraid to engage them. Always be honest about it. Hey, I, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm trying to figure it out. Help me help you. And that is that one, I think, is my most important, like, break it, not in production, just break it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, hey, Nick, uh, I really appreciate the time you've spent today. It was great hearing from you. It was been my pleasure to have you. And yeah, look forward to continuing to see the the success you have in your career and what you're doing in RevOps and hear about uh, the cool and amazing things. No, absolutely. The OpStars podcast is brought to you by Lean Data. To find out more about us and our suite of Salesforce native products for marketing, sales, and revenue operations, head to leandata.com and then make sure to search for OpStars in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss on any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at OpStars and Lean Data, thanks for listening.